Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday, and it is June the 9th, and it's great joining you at the end of the week so that we can play the inevitable game of catch-up. And boy, oh boy, is there so much to catch up on. If you're familiar with my program, then you already know that I'm a retired senior special agent naturalization service. Uh, an agency that uh, now is referred to as ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Uh, And it's one of the agencies under that big umbrella known as the Department of Homeland Security. And for many, many years, that agency should have been called the Department of Homeland Surrender. I still have misgivings about it. But we do know that there is a president in the White House and an attorney general by the name of Jeff Sessions who truly understands the significance of America's borders and America's immigration laws. And it's my belief that because they are so determined to do the right thing where immigration is concerned, that they are getting hammered, I mean absolutely hammered, from politicians from both sides of the political aisle. Because immigration is not about Democrats or Republicans. It's about globalists and populists. It's about national sovereignty. Um, Let me start out by reminding all of you again, if you are familiar with me, familiar with the show, you know this. But if you're new to the program, I welcome you. And I want you to check out a couple of websites. So please, obviously, go to my own website, Michael Cutler, C-U-T-L-E-R, michaelcutler.net, my favorite website, obviously. I also have been writing for quite a few years for Californians for Population Stabilization, capsweb.org. They just posted uh, one of my articles. Um, And I also write for Front Page Magazine, frontpagemag.com, sponsored by the David Horowitz Freedom Center. I have just been invited to post blogs on the Newsmax website. Thrilled to do it. I also frequently am a guest on their programs, especially with my old friend Bill Tucker, who used to be one of the correspondents back in the old days when Lou Dobbs Tonight aired on CNN. So Bill now is a um, has his own program over at Newsmax. Always happy to join him. It's kind of like old home week when we get together. I write for the social contract as well. And so um, my program is about providing information to you that the mainstream media refuses to talk about. And, you know, it's it's really remarkable because up until very recently, when Donald Trump said that we're getting fake news, many of us knew what he was talking about and agreed with him. And this isn't about being, again, left or right. It's about the truth. And boy, oh boy, the truth increasingly is becoming a very, very difficult commodity to acquire in this very perilous era. Well, yesterday when uh, James Comey, and by the way, if you look at my description for my show today, I know someone's looking at it now and saying, oh my gosh, what's wrong with my I, I said that Comey testified before Congress yesterday, 
June 7th. It was actually June 8th. Today, of course, is June the 9th. But mistakes happen, and I'm just trying to see if you're paying attention. Comey made it clear that reports in the news about Russia, about how many people in the Trump administration are being investigated, being looked at, is false. False news. But I wish that was the only false news that we're getting. When you look at the immigration issue, think of how it's been divided up in the mainstream media. And I don't care what television program you talk about, uh, unless, of course, we're talking about Newsmax, One American News Network. They tend to be very good about this. The Dana show over at Blaze. The rest of the networks, listen, if you talk about securing borders and enforcing immigration law, you are labeled anti-immigrant. It's disgusting, it is despicable, it's a lie, but that is the language. If you think that we should keep criminals and terrorists out of the United States, you are labeled anti-immigrant. If you believe that there should be no borders, that anybody who can crawl across that border, no matter what their background, if they should be able to stay here, then you are pro-immigrant. I have never heard a bigger lie in my life? Well, maybe I haven't. There's, there's quite a few lies floating, but this is really way up there. To say enforce the law is not anti-immigrant is an interesting term we ought to be hearing. They should refer to it as pro-enforcement. And when people say let's not enforce the law, then why don't you talk about those folks as being immigration anarchists, open borders advocates? Let's be honest about this conversation because debates And understandings of issues begin with accurate, truthful, and objective language. Prior to becoming a federal agent, uh, I took a degree in communications, arts, and sciences. I had played with the idea of becoming a journalist or teaching communications, arts, and sciences and debate on the college level. And let me tell you, when your adversary gets to label you, gets to tell the world who you are, you have lost that debate. When your opponent labels you, you are now put at the bottom of a very big mountain that you need to climb to achieve parity with your adversary. That's the game being played by the open borders anarchists. Anti-immigrant, xenophobe, racist, nativist. Think of all the language we're hearing. The United States has the most liberal immigration policies of any country on the planet. We admit more lawful immigrants, approximately one million. We admit more lawful immigrants than the rest of the world combined. We naturalize more new citizens than the rest of the world combined, hundreds of thousands every year. When I was an immigration inspector at the beginning of my career, My job was to take a particular section of law. There were many sections that we enforced, but the real Bible, the real guideline, check it out. Title 8, United States Code, Section 1182. Go to my articles. You can see me write about this all over the place. Categories of aliens to be excluded. Nothing to do with race, nothing to do with religion, nothing to do with ethnicity. Aliens with dangerous communicable diseases. Aliens who are severely mentally ill. Aliens who are criminals. Gang members, drug traffickers, human traffickers, um, that sort of thing, okay? Aliens who are war criminals, spies, terrorists, human rights violators, war criminals, fugitives from justice, 
<clears throat> aliens who had been previously deported, and then we get to aliens who would likely become a public charge, or aliens who had no authority to work, but that if they did work, would likely displace American workers. Those are the categories. It's reasonable, it's fair, it's decent, it makes sense. And when I was an inspector at the airport, for every alien that I denied entry, or at least questioned the admissibility of the alien, I admitted hundreds of others with no problem, happy to stamp their passport, wish them a good time in the United States, and send them on their merry way. Does that sound as though I'm being anti-immigrant against people coming here xenophobic? I only denied entry or stopped from entering probably 1% of the people who came through my booth. Think about that. But yet, when you say to people, immigration, oh, those are the guys. They don't want to let anybody in. Oh, they're mean. They're xenophobes. They're racists. I was an adjudications officer for a year. I did the marriage interviews. And yes, I did uncover a marriage fraud ring involving Chinese seamen marrying Puerto Rican young ladies involved in prostitution here in New York City. Um, lawyer went to jail. I testified at that trial. It was my first time where I testified in federal court. It was quite an experience. We got the bad guys. I found other people who had entered into business marriages, arranged or sham marriages. The aliens were deported, didn't get their green card. I did my job. But I can tell you again, most the great majority of the cases that I interviewed, we gave the people their green cards gladly. There was no brownie points for saying no. Our instructions were simple. Do the interview. See if these folks are legally entitled to get green cards based on a legitimate marriage. And if they are, approve the application and move on to the next one. But yet the narrative is that if you enforce immigration law, you are anti-immigrant. The same immigration laws that we're talking about that I've enforced for 30 years actually provide for the entry of foreign nationals, actually provide for granting lawful immigrant status and citizenship and political asylum to aliens. It's balanced. But yet the other side has managed to get the language altered so that if you dare suggest that anybody from any other country under any circumstances shouldn't be admitted, you're a bigot, a racist, a xenophobe, a nativist, and the list goes on. A hater, you know, you get a window seat in Hillary's basket of deplorables. This program is designed to counter the lies, the BS, the propaganda, um, the falsehoods, because our country's survival, the survival of American citizens, hang in the balance. We've been witnessing terror attacks around the world. Iran isn't immune either. Uh, you know, it's kind of ironic. They're the biggest state sponsor of terrorism, and they suffered casualties this week at the hands of ISIS. This scourge, this cancer, this virus of terrorism is all over the world. And our first line of defense is our borders. The 9-11 Commission was crystal clear that our borders are essential, that effective immigration law enforcement is essential to protecting America and Americans from the threat of terrorism. They identified 94 terrorists who managed to enter the United States by, committing, uh, by, by, by getting to the United States, rather, and 59 of them, or about two-thirds, committed visa fraud and or immigration fraud to enter or embed themselves. I would actually argue that the terrorists all committed fraud, 
because what the 9-11 Commission neglected to consider is that when a non-immigrant or when an immigrant, anybody, comes into the airport, turn around. Aliens have to prove they're admissible, that they don't belong to a class of alien who is to be excluded. I just described to you what they are. So who are you? Why are you coming here? How long do you plan to stay? How will you support yourself while you're here for three weeks, a month, whatever the period is? You might ask to see their money if they look shady. And, and by the way, here's something that's kind of interesting. And I'm not sure how things are working these days. I haven't been in an inspector's booth for decades. But we used to have aliens. number was $800. They somehow seemed to think that if they had in their possession $800, they would have no problem staying here for two weeks. So you would ask to see these folks. <clears throat> and very often they had the rough hands of a farmer. You could see where they were wearing shoes, perhaps, for the first time. Um, sometimes they'd come in wearing new suits that still had the labels attached. And you would say to them, how much money do you have? And then you would ask them to show you the money. So they'd reach into one pocket and pull out a wad of bills. And the top bill was usually a 50, maybe even a 100. And there were rubber bands around it. And the money had the rubber, the rubber bands were working their way into this big roll of this big wad of money because no one had spent any of that money in God knows how many years. It was passed from one alien to another to another, perhaps by smugglers or expediters. Because when you said, let me see your money, in that one pocket you had the $800 all rubber banded together, and it was filthy. And if you picked up the rubber band, it was clean under the rubber band, but the rest of it looked like it had been dragged through the mud. And in the other pocket, they had $3.94 or whatever. Well, that was provide evidence so we had to very often admit these people. So understand how the laws protect them. And we had to live within the framework of the law. And yet, when you say, I was an immigration inspector, I was an immigration officer, the open borders crowd would look at you as though you were the embodiment of evil. And it was funny because we would walk out into the lobby of the International Arrival Building or one of the other terminals way back when. That building no longer even exists. The airport has since been rebuilt. But what was funny is and people came off of particular flights where there was a propensity to have um, people coming here who were planning to violate their status. Every time somebody would get through those doors from customs to be greeted by family members, a big cheer would go up like somebody just hit a home run at a ball game. Yay, he made it. You know, he ran the gauntlet, and here he is. It was almost a game. But back in the 70s, when I was an inspector, we weren't worried about terrorists gaining entry into the United States, although even back then we did certainly have American airliners hijacked uh, in one case, we had a naval officer killed during a hijacking to the Middle East, the PLO responsible for his death. They shot him in the head and threw him out the door like um, luggage. So we knew there were risks, but we didn't have the level of threat that we're dealing with today. This is unprecedented. This is un.
Look, if you want to talk about two-faced, they have many faces. First of all, the politicians, job one is winning elections. Nothing else matters. If they don't win elections, nothing else happens. They have to win the election. That's job number one. Winning elections requires money. Very often, so the people that provide the campaign contributions become, in essence, of the politician who depends on that money. One of the big lobbying groups that has lots and lots and lots of money to throw around is the United States Chamber of Commerce. They want to flood America with an unlimited supply of cheap labor, foreign students, and foreign tourists. <clears throat> In fact, it's because of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, not only them, but they were big players, that were behind the creation of the visa waiver program in the first place and then the continuous expansion of the number of countries that participate in the visa waiver program. And in fact, when I've testified at congressional hearings, there was one hearing back in 2006, um, terror, terror, uh, what was it, the visa overstays, can we close the terror door? Uh, I testified at a hearing held by the House uh, Foreign Relations Committee on that issue. So we've known forever this nexus between aliens who violate the term admission and the threat of terrorism. The 9-11 hijackers entered the United States through ports of entry. Faisal Shahzad, the Times Square bomber who set off that SUV bomb in Times Square in 2010, entered on a student visa. And then he got a green card. And then he got citizenship. And then he sets off the bomb. The, The Tsarnaev family came here on visas, claimed political asylum went back to Russia, even though the claim of political back, ultimately they applied for citizenship. One of the brothers became a citizen. The other one was trying to be carried out the deadly attack. The legal immigration system is no less deadly, perhaps more deadly, than what we're encountering along that lawless, violent Mexican border. That's why there is so much more to what's wrong with the immigration system than the Mexican border. So we have the visa waiver program. And the visa waiver program makes no sense to anybody who understands immigration. When the threat of terrorism reared its ugly head, Congress enacted legislation to make visa fraud, people who lie applications for a visa, potential 25-year jail sentence. fraud was committed in conjunction with terrorism. If it was committed in conjunction with a narcotics-related crime, the penalty is 20 years in jail. Otherwise, it's a 15-year sentence if it's in conjunction with any other crime. And unless they've changed it recently, simple visa fraud carries a 10-year penalty max. That we tighten up on. We were giving visas out. There was something called Visa Express. So you had Saudis and other Middle Eastern people <clears throat> go to a travel agency. The travel agent would say, "Give me your passport. How long do you want to stay in the United States? Here's an application. Fill it out. We'll submit it to the State Department." And they would send over literally a box of passports with applications for non-immigrant visas, and without even. Interviewing these folks, State Department would check the name, 
check the information and say, yep, here's your visa. Have a nice day. far too easy. So you would think that people understand that the visa process, in essence, and I and I said this when I gave it, did a hearing for Sheila Jackson Lee, and it was about alien smuggling, and I insisted that they include in the hearing visa fraud rings that are involved with helping aliens game the visa process, because again, whether a smuggler brings somebody across the Mexican or the Canadian border by hiding them in a car or showing them the route to take to evade the port of entry, or if they put them on a ship and bring the ship into some uh, you know, inlet away from ports of entry to smuggle aliens in that way. We had that with the Golden Venture, a, a beat-up old ship that ran aground in the Rockaways. And goodness, I believe there were a few hundred Chinese nationals on board. These are all smuggling operations. But I said, if we're going to talk about smuggling operations, we certainly also have to consider people who help people to get visas uh, by lying, student visas and work visas, visas based on uh, marriage. We saw that in San Bernardino, the, the fiancé visa. And everyone asked, how do you give fiancé visas when you're not even interviewing people? Crazy stuff. But that visa process, in essence, if it's done properly, pushes America's borders out to the embassy or consulate where the visa is issued. That makes perfect sense. But if and only if it's really done properly. But under the visa waiver program, that doesn't happen. Under the visa waiver program, there's no application, so there's no potential to charge anybody with visa fraud. Now, the application for a visa can be a treasure trove of information and intelligence for agents investigating an alien. Even if the alien is denied a visa, that application stays on file. That was an issue I raised at my very first hearing back in 1997, May 20th. And that hearing was about visa fraud, immigration benefit fraud, because of two terror attacks carried out in the United States in 1993. So today, because we are able to do that with digitized applications, they hold those applications. <clears throat> so it contains information. So even if the alien in question lies on some of those questions, at least a few answers are going to be honest. And those honest answers are called investigative leads. It might be an address. It might be the name of a brother. It might be the name of a father. It might be the place where he or she works. No, ma no matter. The honest answers become investigative leads that are workable. The application also contains biometrics and photographs. Again, invaluable to an investigation. Now, if an alien is required to have a visa and seeks to fly on an airplane to the United States, if that alien can't get a visa, then they cannot get on board an airplane. Because if they allow someone on the airplane who needs a visa but doesn't have one, the airline gets a pretty hefty fine. It's thousands of dollars. So the airline has a vested interest in keeping people off of airplanes who don't have visas who need them. These are some of the many benefits that evaporate because of the visa waiver program. So where's the good side? Well, the good side is the Chamber of Commerce will tell you that by making it difficult to come to the United States, we lose possible passengers on airplanes. Maybe we wind up with a couple of empty rooms at hotels. 
we wind up with empty seats at a ballpark or in the movies or at a table in a nice restaurant. Because for the Chamber of Commerce, they're like the barker in the carnival. Come one, come all, step right up, give us your money. That's all they think about. And that was why in my article I made the point that this situation is not going to change as long as the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and the people they bribe, the politicians who take their money, let's be honest about what we're talking about, nothing will change as long as the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and their client state, their client companies, and they've partnered with the Hotel, Hospitality, Travel, and Manufacturing Association. It's called the Discover America Partnership. That partnership is far more fixated on headcounts on airplanes money grubbing bums are far more concerned about head counts on airplanes than body counts in the morgue. When people die, they shrug their shoulders and they say, what the hell? The funeral homes need some business, don't they? You see, they don't care. <clears throat> they don't care. Dead bodies are speed bumps to people like the Chamber of Commerce, America's borders, our first and last line of defense to rational people, to law enforcement, to our military. They all see it the same way. A country's borders are its first and last line of defense. The Chamber of Commerce, the American Immigration Lawyers Association. And by the way, you've got lawyers um, or members on both sides of the aisle. Republicans and Democrats belong to AILA. Ask your congressman if he or she belongs to AILA. See how they squirm. It's a fun game to play. You see, because... To folks that want aliens in the country, they, the lawyers see clients. The chamber sees tourists, cheap labor, and students. Everyone sees something. The money remitters, the people that wire money home, see customers. Hey, if that guy takes an illegal job and mails money home, wires the money home, we get a percentage. That's great. So they're looting the U.S. economy, but we get to, we're driving at the bank, you see? So everyone's making out literally and figuratively like bandits. And meanwhile, this leaves us vulnerable. Now, if you look at the journalists, look at the news programs. How many news programs on the major networks have former immigration agents on to talk about immigration? If there is a murder, there's no shortage of retired homicide detectives. If there's a kidnapping, there's no shortage of FBI profilers. If it's a gun case, in comes former ATF agents. If someone threatens the president, retired Secret Service at the ready. If the story's about the military, in come the generals. If there's a new spacecraft launched, in come the retired astronauts. You see, no shortage, true subject matter experts until we get to immigration. And then suddenly... You get a border sheriff, you get a pollster, you get a pundit, you get a politician, you get a radio talk show host, but not me because I understand immigration. They don't want that because the so-called journalists in the mainstream media have turned to globalism. Most network television programs have second and third language subsidiaries. Think about that. They 
want as many foreign nationals here to turn on that cable box and tune to their channel because that means they can charge more money for airtime for people who want to put commercials on the program. You see? So when you call up the XYZ network and say, I want to advertise dog food, they say, great. And by the way, our, our viewing audience has gone up, so we're going to have to charge you more than last time. You see? Because that's how they determine how much they get a charge. What hour do you want to advertise? And then they look at the numbers and they tell you, well, this is the audience that we're reaching, and that's why it's going to cost you more. Think about it. <clears throat> the Super Bowl, one of the most uh, watched TV events uh, all year, the Super Bowl, World Series, same thing, but the Super Bowl in particular. How many millions of dollars do corporations spend for 30 seconds on air at the Super Bowl? It's unbelievable. How many people are watching? How many people are you reaching? You're going to pay for it. So do you really think that television networks that have second and third language subsidiary um, stations want people to leave the country when they depend on them to jack up what they charge their advertisers? See, everyone has a money angle to this. Corporations love to have foreign workers flood America. Why? Because they can then drive down the value of labor, its supply and demand. This is dangerous. <clears throat> so I've been watching TV, and a couple of years ago, we saw the attacks in Brussels and Paris and India and all these places. And they... Understand it in ways that nobody else does, just the way that the experts in the other subjects, the way no one else does. This is the crime of omission. Let's keep out of the viewing audience people who really get the issue, because that runs contrary to their goals, you see. <clears throat> so they bring these people in, and everybody complained about the visa waiver program. No shock. They were right. Congress comes along and in 2015, working with Obama, says, we're going to make a change to the visa waiver program so they have the improved visa program. Now, what was the improvement? When aliens who are citizens of countries that normally participate in the visa program, when those aliens go to Syria, Iraq, Yemen, there's a bunch of countries, Bangladesh, I believe, there's a list. And it's subject to change. If they've been there within, I believe, it's 90 days, now they need to get a visa before they come to the United States, even though they are citizens of visa waiver countries. Now, this may sound good. You say, oh, wow, well, that's great. Well, so here's the problem. It's a big problem. How will you be certain whether or not these folks traveled to those countries? Yes, sometimes you find out, we, we found out about the travel patterns of those thugs that carried out that horrific attack in England last week, and we found out about the bombing of those little girls, and yes, after the fact, they pour hundreds of investigators into it, and suddenly everything lights up like a Christmas tree, and we know more about them. As a matter of routine, very often, we do not know when people travel to other countries, there's many reasons for it, 
and we don't have enough time to get into it here, but I am assuring you, we don't always know. So it is preposterous to say, we're going to make you safe. How? Because if some alien from a visa waiver country travels to Iraq or Syria or, you know, wherever, they're going to have to get a visa. Do you think that those aliens are going to walk into a United States embassy? Do you think they're going to walk into a United States consulate and say, I was in Syria. In fact, look at this. I brought with me my certificate from bomb-making school. I brought with me my evaluation at the beheading class that I took. Do you really think this is going to happen? It's nuts. It's nuts. But the Congress can't bring itself to say no more visa waiver. Why? Because the U.S. Chamber of Commerce that pulls the strings of the little puppets that sit there in the Congress would yank their strings so hard their arms would fly off their torsos. Because the Chamber of Commerce wants money. They don't care who dies. They don't care how many They don't care. What they care about is money. I remember being at a hearing with an individual who was working with a group affiliated with the Chamber of Commerce. And during a recess, he said to me at the hearing, this is off the record, you need to stop talking about border security because borders are an impediment to my wealth. Those borders are costing us millions of dollars each. And he started spouting numbers in the billions. If we could only get rid of border controls. I was flabbergasted. I was flabbergasted. And this was even closer to 9-11, but it doesn't matter. The risk isn't less. I find it remarkable. This little Potemkin village, there's an attack in Europe. And immediately they talk about in New York, more police are on patrol because The threat is up, the threat is down, it's sideways, it's up. The threat didn't change. It's always there. It's always there. It's like a breeze blowing in the background. It's like the crickets sounding off in the darkness. The threat is always there. So why do they put the cops out on the street? To convince people it's safe to come here and spend your money. There is a wonderful movie with Robert Duvall, and Duvall is phenomenal. I, have, I had dinner with him twice. He is really, to use a Yiddish term, a mensch, a decent human being, uh, very laid back, very down to earth. It was, it was really a, a, an honor to have dinner with this guy. And I'm not a Hollywood kind of guy. I don't really pay much attention to the movies at all. But this guy, really decent, really humble. We, we had two fun days. Well, he's in this movie called The Paper. He plays the part of an editor of a newspaper or the publisher of a newspaper. And the story is that two black kids get arrested for uh, for the murder of two mobsters. And it goes back and forth whether they should print the picture of the kids. Is it fair to them? And the kids didn't do the crime. They didn't. And I hate to be a spoiler, you know, spoiler alert. But what's interesting is the detective meets with... um, uh, the, the two reporters in, in the bathroom of a precinct. And he said, look, those kids didn't do it. It's purely cosmetic. And they said, well, why would they do that? He said, because they want people to come to New York and spend their money. 
The murder made the front page of the newspapers. People were afraid to come here. So it was up to the mayor to tell the cops, we got to arrest somebody so that way we could say that the murderers are no longer on the street. Everything is safe. Think about that. It was fiction. That all too often is how it works. We've got to convince the public it's safe. You see, if the Chamber of Commerce, if the travel and hospitality industries were ethical, moral, compassionate, decent, honest, honorable. See, those are adjectives that these people don't deserve, right? But if they were, what they should be doing is going to the government and saying, you know, look, there's a threat of terrorism. If there's a terror attack, no one is going to get on an airplane to come to the United States. No one's going to fly to our big cities. We saw that after 9-11. Getting on an airplane and flying to major cities was seen as an act of heroism and patriotism. Nobody wanted to fly. The hotels were basically empty. No way. People were afraid. And God forbid if there was another massive attack, do you not think that the same thing would happen? So this is greed that's not even self-serving. If they were smart, if they had brains in addition to an insatiable appetite for wealth, what they would be doing is saying to the American, or saying to the people of the world, look, we know that the visa requirement is a pain in the neck, but if you drive a car in any country today, sooner or later, you're going to have to spend the day at the dreaded motor vehicle getting a new driver's license. It's not fun. It's a waste of a day. But there's no alternative. It's the cost of living in the society we choose to live in. Getting a visa is a pain in the neck, but it can help to keep us all safer. And then if you're a little bit creative, but these money grubbers aren't, they're incapable of creativity because all they think about is money, 100% of the time money. They don't care about anything else. It's all about money. But if they had a brain, if they had a little bit of creativity and a little bit of morality, what they would do is see in the visa requirement an opportunity to provide travel information to people who come to the embassies, come to the consulates, and apply for the visas. You could show them little video clips of, of the places around the United States that maybe they want to go visit. You can give them little coupons so that if you go to Yankee Stadium, uh, the second ticket is, is half price. You can do all kinds of creative things, serve people a cup of coffee, uh, give them coupons for some of the great restaurants in the United States. I mean, think of all the things you could do to promote tourism while you have that captive audience waiting for the visa and make it clear, explain to people, we're sorry for the inconvenience, but by making things safer for you, this makes more sense. We are concerned about your safety. Even if they're lying through their teeth, and we know they're liars, but even if they're lying, think how nice that would be. And people would think about it and probably say, you know what, this makes sense. Maybe because now we have to get a visa, we are safer. So some of the people that maybe are staying away because they're worried would actually be attracted and say, you know something, they're really doing something now to keep it safe. Let's go to the United States. The Chamber of Commerce and the hotel, hospitality, travel industries, you know, the people have trouble getting us clean linen and, and good room service. They're the ones now making national security decisions. They can't think beyond their earnings statement this month. 
They can't think a little bit down the road and say, you know, if God forbid there's a terrorist attack, our industry would be decimated. And the, and the image of people being killed, being slaughtered, the image of the people jumping from the trade center, the images of those girls when the bomb went off, the images of the attacks. I don't know about you folks. This keeps me awake at night. It sickens me. It sickens me. So if you're in the position to lobby Congress, you have all this money, you have a captive audience and these politicians who are taking your money, why don't you meet with them and say, look, let's end the visa waiver program. Let's bring an end to this. Try to do things in a streamlined way, handle things properly, but let's combine the visa requirement with a massive public relations campaign. And explain to people why we're doing this, and that we're sorry that it's an inconvenience, but we have your safety at heart. Goodness, what a novel approach. But these folks are no better than Bernie Madoff. All they could think about is money and nothing about consequences. And that's what I wrote about. Not so much about, you know, let's have a visa requirement and and deal with it differently. I, I thought I would talk about. Uh, that kind of thinking with you tonight. But if you read my article, you will quickly see how this greed, insatiable greed by these lobbyists is undermining our national security. And you have politicians willing to go along with it. Willing to go along with it. You look at the horrific images again and again and again and you have people who think that they represent anybody, and yet they continue the charade. Diane Feinstein, back on February the 24th, 1998, two days short of the fifth anniversary of the bombing at the World Trade Center in 93, when she was part of a hearing by the Senate Judiciary Committee of the foreign terrorists operating in the United States, raised the questions. She said, gee whiz, maybe we ought to stop the visa program, the visa waiver program. Back then, it was a pilot program and didn't involve nearly as many countries. And this is 98. This is three years before 9-11. And she said, maybe we should stop doing this. Think about it. Maybe we should stop doing this. She said, maybe we should stop giving visas to aliens that come from countries that sponsor terrorism. There were no riots, but when Donald Trump said it, of course, there were riots. And that brings us This is something I just wanted to to at least talk about briefly. This brings us to where we are with Comey's testimony yesterday. The fact that James Comey said that he felt compelled to take action because Loretta Lynch met with former President Bill Clinton on an airplane on the tarmac. You know, it's remarkable to me that the Democrats, can only think in terms of one party or the other, and that the Republicans can only think in terms of one party or the other. When Richard Nixon was impeached, it was the Republicans who had the moral leadership, the moral integrity to be the ones that said enough, enough. The politicians, folks, keep playing politics with us. The Democrats should have looked at that insanity on the tarmac and should have said enough with the Clintons. Enough. It's disgusting. It's embarrassing. It was so inappropriate. 
And then Loretta Lynch tells Comey, don't refer to the Clinton investigation as an investigation. Call it a matter. Guy didn't have the guts or the integrity to stand up to the attorney general and say, wait a minute. I'm the director of the FBI. You might be my boss, but who the hell do you think you're talking to? Of course, this is a criminal investigation. Don't you play that game of semantics with me. But that would have taken a real man, a real leader. You know, there are plenty of women who are real leaders, too. I don't want anyone to say, oh, Cutler's being sexist in this crazy world. You know, um, the problem that we have is this precious few leaders. We are being supposedly led by people who go along to get along and they'll do whatever it takes. They will do whatever it takes. Laws, morality, consequences don't matter. What matter is getting that next promotion. What matters is getting whatever it is they're looking for. They will sell their souls. These are not leaders. You know, I'm not much of a Bible scholar at all. Solomon. There were two women who were fighting over a baby. Both claimed to be the baby's mother. They didn't have DNA testing back then. And Solomon knew something about human nature. And so he came up with an offer and had no intention of following through, but knew that this would be the, determined, the way to determine, without any doubt. And he said, okay, look, there's no way to figure out who the real mother is. The only way to properly deal with this is we'll cut the baby in half. Each mother gets a piece of the dead corpse. One woman immediately said, good, get the knife. The other woman said, don't hurt the baby. I'd rather live without him than see a hair harmed on his head. Well, immediately it was apparent who the real mother was. When you have politicians who don't give a damn what happens to America or Americans just so they can win elections, so they could wield power. Don't tell me they're leaders. Don't tell me that they're representing anybody or anything decent or moral or just. Leaders have responsibility. When I was given my badge, it was clear, it was made very clear to us that, yes, the badge conveys quite a bit of authority. You can arrest people. You can carry a firearm. There's all these things you can do. But everything you do will be scrutinized because you are accountable. With authority comes accountability and responsibility. How many of our politicians understand what that means? How many of our politicians understand what it is to really be made accountable? Precious you. Precious you. And that's why we are in the mess that we are in today. And I want you to think about something. Because this, this occurred to me today or yesterday. Every time there's an election, we always hear the yells about change, the calls for change. We need change. We're voting for change. Now stop and think about it. Why is that? I don't care if it's the Democrats or the Republicans. They both suck. The repugnant cans and the Democrats, how I describe them. So what happens is, if the Republicans are in power, the Democrats say, wait a minute, if the country is successful and we have a Republican president, we're not going to gain control. We have to screw everything up so we can promise change to fix what's broken, even if we break it, 
because then we could say the Republicans were no damn good. They messed everything up, so you need us to come in and straighten out the mess they made, when in fact it's probably the Democrats who created the mess. Or the Democrats are in power, and the Republicans play the same damn game. Well, the Democrats are in power, and they want something that makes sense, and it would probably work, but then why would they vote for us? So we have to screw things up so they vote for us and get rid of the Democrats. Both sides of the aisle play, and this is what playing politics means. We're going to screw up America. We're going to endanger American lives and American livelihoods and make a total mess of things if we are not the party in power so that things will get so bad that the electorate will want change, and that's where we will come in. Both parties play the same game, and so we hear about gridlock. This is really an organized conspiracy to destroy the country so that they can step in with the promise of change. This is what now passes for governance in this insane world. This is a reality program that's lost all sense of reality. And look at the damage that's been done. Look at the drugs flowing into America. Look at the amount of jobs being lost, the number of jobs being lost to foreign workers, the accusations, the acrimonies. It's unbelievable. And when I listened to Comey, I realized something. You see, Comey called... Trump a liar. And I, and I don't think Trump does everything right, by the way. I've got issues with Trump. I wish he would tone down his rhetoric. I wish he would learn to use more nuanced language. He's a construction guy. I grew up on construction sites. I get it. But he's now the president of the United States. I'm glad that he's slowing his twittering around uh, down a little bit. But, you know, but I, I still believe in Trump's message. I still believe in his goals. I certainly believe in what Jeff Sessions is trying to accomplish. And so I'm listening yesterday to what Comey had to say. and It dawned on me that this was almost the equivalent of workplace violence. You know, the guy that gets fired and comes back to have a fight with his boss and he gets physical. Why? He's angry that his supervisor gave him a lousy evaluation and fired him. What I heard in Comey's statements yesterday was a fired employee who was pissed at his boss. He's a liar. I had to take notes. I leaked information. Why was he doing all that? He wanted to be vindicated, but he didn't have the courage. Even Diane Feinstein raised the point. She said, when you were in the Oval Office, I know it's an intimidating place, but why didn't you say to the president, this is an inappropriate conversation. What you're asking me isn't right. If you felt that it wasn't right, why didn't you say anything? He had no answer. He had no answer why he didn't say anything to Loretta Lynch. Had no answer. And I think back to that wacky news conference um, when he talked about Hillary and how he decided there would be no indictment. He decided. That's not what prosecutors do. I'm sorry, that's not what investigators, that's what prosecutors do. As the head of the FBI, he wasn't the prosecutor. He might have worn that cap in prior position, but as the director of the FBI, his job is to turn the material over to Loretta Lynch in that case. But of course, he didn't trust Lynch because he saw what she did on the tarmac. 
If you want to talk about screwed up government, this is why the American people voted for Donald Trump. And yes, he's getting some tough on-the-job training, and I, and I, I hope he learns to straighten out and fly right. But I am far more concerned with what I heard coming out of those mouths of the congressmen, and what I, especially on the Democrat side. And I am far more concerned with what I heard coming out of Comey's mouth. This is not how America can go forward. The politicians better get their act together and come to an understanding that they need to put America and Americans first, that they need to make moral decisions that protect the lives and livelihoods of Americans before they do anything else. And if it means that they don't get back into power for a while, that's fine. But if they have children, they need to look at their children. They need to look at their grandchildren and ask themselves, what world do we want to leave our kids? What world do we want to leave our grandchildren and their children? Trashing America for short-term political gains is as anti-American as it gets. I'm so tired that when uh, there's a funeral and it's a politician, somebody will stand up and say, Joe Smith was a great Democrat or Mary Jones was a great Republican. Why don't we just simply say great American? Wouldn't that be a novelty? We're in a tough spot. Korea, North Korea is on a rampage, continuing to test its missiles. Uh, you've got an unbalanced leader over there. There's an awful lot going on. This is a 10-ring circus. And these aren't minor issues. It's time that this country truly was united, not by Democrat or Republican, but putting Americans all together under one roof, Irrespective of race, religion, ethnicity, political leanings, we need to do what's best for the United States. We are in the midst of a war, like it or not. There's lots of people out there looking to do us in. It's time that Americans, all Americans, circle the wagon and decide that we're either going to be part of the solution or you're part of the problem. For far too long, the politicians have been not just part of the problem, they have been the problem. And that is why Donald Trump was elected. And that is why you're witnessing what we're witnessing around the world. The career politicians uh, have been running roughshod on decent people for far too long and devastating their futures. Enough is enough. I want to, uh, by the way, I, there's one other point I have to make. You know, one of those uh, terrorists could have come to the United States under the visa waiver program, the Manchester uh, bomber. So please read those articles, whether it's Newsmax, whether it's um, fake security, more dangerous than no security over at Front Page Magazine. Please go to capsweb.org. They've got my latest article up there. Uh, also, I wrote about a new immigration bill that's uh, making its way through the process that would uh, enable many more agents to be hired, would prevent future presidents from unilaterally deciding, to not, deciding not to enforce our immigration laws. It's good legislation. It's something that we desperately need. Um, and, I, and I hope that you will uh, check those websites out. Capsweb.org, frontpagemagazine.com, Newsmax, The Social Contract, and of course, go to michaelcutler.net. Uh, if you find my program interesting, the information worthwhile, Please be a part of my Bucket Brigade of Truth. Please let all of your friends and neighbors know about the show. 
my website, the articles, use social media. Do what you can to try to get that information out there to counter the news blackouts and the fake news um, being broadcast by fake news media. I hope you have a wonderful weekend, everybody. I thank you for joining me. I look forward to seeing you again right here, same time, on the Michael Cutler Hour. Good night, everybody.